Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Annie. And I'm Melissa. And together we want to welcome you to the very first episode of Still Great Bob, a podcast dedicated to examining the AMC show Mad Men in 2019. Mad Men is a show that explores the damages of masculinity, the damages that affect everyone, but primarily women in both the professional and the personal setting. We feel that this is a worthwhile project because Mad Men is a critically acclaimed show by a problematic creator exploring problematic topics that seem progressive while airing and gives us a lot of attention to the power dynamics between genders, something that is relevant today as it was in 1960 and in 2007. We're first going to start by talking about our personal relationships with the show. Now, I've first started watching Mad Men, and I think the third season I got it on on Blu-ray or DVD, and then kind of caught up and watched it live. Melissa, what's your relationship with the show? Um, I don't really have a relationship with the show yet. Um, it's one of those things that has always been kind of on my watch list, but seemed a little daunting um, because of the episode count and because of like you mentioned, the problematic creator, um, I think that the only way that I would have picked up this show was would be to do something like this, or at the very least, um, have people that I was uh, comfortable and, you know, they were willing to talk me through the whole thing, which is how I found you two. Um, but yeah, I've seen the first episode four times, and that is the extent <laughs> of my Madman experience. You're welcome. Annie, what about you? Uh, I've been watching the show since it first aired. Maybe I ended up watching the first episode too late. I used to be a huge, and I'm still a big fan of a... Uh, a pop culture movie review site called Pajiba. Uh, and I remember that they were talking about it a lot. So I've been watching along. Somehow, though, never finished season seven. So interesting. So as I know they did the thing where they split season seven. They did the like Harry Potter book seven thing where they split into two halves. Did you watch all of season seven part one and just life got in the way of season seven part two? Or you don't remember? Maybe. I may have. It was so long ago. Yeah. Don't make me think about things that far back. But you've come so far. We've all come so far. We're here, and that's great. No, as I as and as far as me, as I alluded to before, my parents. My, I actually liberated. Now that I think about it, I liberated my parents' Blu-rays. They had the first two seasons on disc because they don't really like go to movies or like. DVRs weren't quite as prevalent of a thing there, so they would buy seasons or buy like DVDs as they came out of like buzzy shows that they wanted to see. And they had the first two seasons, and they were kind of into it and kind of not. And I was home one day, and I'm like, "Oh, I've been hearing about the show. I want to check it out." So I took them back with me because we live in different cities. Because that's what works best for all of us. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, but it works best this way. Um. And no, and I watched it and I was like, hey, I'm into this. And then kind of caught up as the, the live watches and then figured through the show and, and kept through it. And, you know, even when I didn't have cable, did the iTunes pass things. So I guess I think the later seasons I own twice because I bought the Blu-rays because that's how into the show I was at the time. And just the whole like mid-century modern aesthetic is is very much for me. If you see my living room, it's very much like inspired by that. Um I guess then, Annie, my question to you as someone who's seen mm-hmm. most of the show, what was kind of, what do you, to you, what was the show about? And what was the show's mission statement? 
For me, a lot of the the interest that I had in the show was just different explorations of characters and the different dynamics people had within the setting. Uh, The 1960s was a time of change. You had the civil rights movement. You had uh, feminism on the rise. You had the Vietnam War, right? Uh, A few years after the Korean War, you had people becoming disillusioned with the government. Uh, You had the media becoming uh, greater, uh, a more significant, uh, playing more significant, significant role in how we were interacting with the world around us. Uh, So that was really cool. At the time, I was also not that far no I was actually graduating college college uh so at the time that was also me entering adulthood so it really coincided with a big personal time of change myself um as for so I didn't focus too much on themes but there was a lot in the way of uh secrecy duplicity and identity um that comes across and how other people see you and the way that the image of yourself that you perceive project onto the world yeah so no i think it's just a really interesting exploration of a lot of different things some of them are a little more nuanced and a little more low-key the obvious ones are going to be uh addressing that change when traditional gender dynamics were being questioned more you had men who are feeling maybe possibly a little more insecure in their in their expected roles in society and women who are starting to uh discover that pot, they had more that they were allowing them that they were um not seeing past the limitation that was set for them by society great melissa i know you've only seen one episode albeit four times it, based on your initial read so far melissa like are are we we're pretty on base in terms of like themes and stuff that you've seen already emerging that we've discussed or is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet that's kind of pinged for you in your initial viewing No, I really think uh, what you guys have both mentioned is really what I took out of the first episode, but it's hard to say because I knew that's how you guys felt about it before I watched it. Fair, 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 fair. Um, But obviously, like, I've heard a lot about Mad Men forever, and so I think I kind of knew a little bit what I was getting into in terms of themes and gender dynamics going in. Um, I was still surprised by how jarring some of that stuff was. Um, and you know, this will come up in later episodes when we actually cover the first episode, but some of the gender dynamics in this first episode, I honestly couldn't tell if they were satirical or not, which I think is interesting to look at. And I'd be curious about how I felt about those specific instances, uh, back in 2007, because I was not very aware of um what gender really meant um to me and to my perception of the world and to my i guess existence (laughs) in the world so I think that's what's going to be interesting is maybe trying to put myself back at 16 how I would have felt about some of this If we can do a hard pivot, Annie, can we hop in our DeLorean and go back to 2007, July, when the pilot of Mad Men aired? And what did the world look like then? It's it's been so long. I've I've forgotten, Annie. Can you you take us on a trip back? Let's hop in our TARDIS. 
Well, you've forgotten because, Matt, now we are quite old. <laughs> that happens with age. Uh, 2007 was a really long time ago. We were all very different people, like I mentioned. I was just out of college at the time in uh, July of 2007 when the first episode aired on AMC, a channel that once just used to show only movies and talk about movies. And now, not so much. Not only that, George W. Bush was still president. There was a lot more talk about Iraq and its Iraq and its link to 9/11. There were endless bombings, suicide bombings throughout the Middle East and by our army uh, military. George Bush had at some point threatened to veto a bill extending health insurance to an additional 3.3 million low-income children, which is a really stand-up thing for a person to do. Despite the fact that there was bipartisan agreement to increase federal taxes on cigarettes to increase funding, also bipartisan agreements were a thing that also happened in the United States. The UN had confirmed the shutdown of four North Korean nuclear facilities because I guess they were a little more uh, compliant then. The Los Angeles Archdiocese agreed to pay $660 million to 500 victims of sexual abuse dating as far back as the 1940s. Some of those people probably aren't alive now. Florida ended a nine-month reprieve on lethal injection, a thing that we are still discussing uh, 12 months or 12 years later. It was a very different world. It's pretty wild how many of these 2007 topics are still current 2019 topics of discussion. Yeah. The more things change, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild to actually... Um, look at this stuff lined out because I was not aware of the world at all in 2007, Mm-mm. which is kind of unfortunate to say, but um, I was quite young and I lived in an extremely rural community and like <laughs> had been out of Illinois like two times at that point. So right. <laughs> yes, different person to say the absolute very least. No, and like, yeah. and I think that's one of the exciting things, like at least for me about like starting this project, like especially with the both of you is, is kind of going back and challenging some of like the assumptions that I had kind of when I was in college and coming out of college. And so I I graduated in like 2009 um, from university and, and what, what I labeled and what I thought of as, as progressive and, 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 you know, then and like the positions I held then and what I believed then and like, how that's grown and evolved over the last 12 or, or, or 10 years is, is quite interesting. Cause again, like you said, Melissa, you are in, you know, much different like headspace and like unaware. And like at the time I felt I was more aware. And I mean, maybe I was cause I was a little bit older, but like I was also in my dorm room listening to like death cab for cutie a lot and kind of, you know, just feeling things, which full disclosure, I still do, but just like our, our awareness of, what's around us is different. And I think for me individually, um, going through this, because Mad Men always, to me, was a show about, and we kind of addressed it earlier in the intro, but was a show about the damages that post-war masculinity especially, and kind of this this hyper-masculinity that we saw this kind of, I guess, pull back to this, this definition of masculinity that hadn't really existed for the first part of the 20th century for various reasons reasons um the damage it kind of did as being like it i've never been a hyper masculine guy in that that 
that shit's never been my swag. That was never my bag. And so I've always, I just said bag really Canadian, didn't I? Anyways, we can edit that out and make fun of me later, to be fair. Um, so no it's... <laughs> Cut it up. Leave it in and leave it in and double it. Right, Matt's from Canada. That's, that's how you just found that out. Sorry. Um, hey, yes, no. that's one. <laughs> but no, it, it's of the show that I felt like was very indicted. Was very like indicting. Is that a word? Indicting. That indicted. Um, it was an indictment. That was an indictment. Thank you, English major. Um, the show was an indictment of this certain definition of masculinity. And now I'm not so sure because I think it kind of. It does the like. By my recollection, looking back through a modern lens, it does that kind of almost performative allyship a little bit where it's like hey this is bad but we also want our cake and eating it too um so i'm excited to kind of work through that um yeah yeah it's really something a couple things occurred to me listening to you talk one i think i'm the oldest one among us three great awesome i think only by about a year i think you're only a year older than me but go ahead ish yeah uh two uh Twitter definitely started at this time period. So a lot of the discussion that we have about uh, this this disenfranchi- disenfranchisement of uh, the young white male and all these, uh, you know, all the things that we talk about and the, the spread of information about who did what behind the scenes and what gets a pass in Hollywood and in other uh, professional environments. And another thing is then... Uh, is the word woke wasn't really used then, at least in this context, uh, or at least in the mainstream realm. But this is probably something that would have been described as such. But it's like you said, it it's almost more perf- performative than anything. Yeah, it's it's like it is kind. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not to not to. I guess that's too. Um, not to not to interrupt, <laughs> but it's like the Ryan Gosling like "Hey Girl" meme, right? Or which would have been around this time. It was like 2009-ish, right? But it's like the, hey girl, I think blah, 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 blah. And it's like this really like truthful statement using, yeah, no, it's, yeah. Well, just said it. It's like the hey girl Ryan Gosling meme. Full stop. Yeah, so obviously, as we said, a lot of things are so different and how we perceive this show in its time, this show that was so critically acclaimed and so beloved and is still, you know, rewatched on on the Netflixes and the old hard copy media. Um, it'll be, it's going to be really, really interesting talking to you guys uh, with your different experiences with the show and how we can see it now. And now that, you know, society has changed and also not really changed and um, all the things we've learned along the way. Yeah. And I really think it's important to know, um, we mentioned earlier that the creator of Mad Men is a problematic person. That person is Matthew Weiner. And he has been accused of sexual harassment by Cater Gordon, who worked on Mad Men with him through season three. Um, And we absolutely believe those allegations and will have them in mind as part of our 2019 critique of this show. We may not directly address these allegations in our show, but we support Cater Gordon and all other people that have been and will be in her position. 
We will have a link to a comprehensive variety article from 2017 in our show notes detailing these allegations if you'd like more information on this situation. And we will also have a link to Modern Alliance, which is Cater Gordon's nonprofit that she started in the wake of these allegations and, you know, the aftermath of that. Um, so that being said, thank you so much for listening to this um, intro episode of our Mad Men Project. Um, and I hope that we'll see you next time. Please join us next time where we will be watching episode one. Bye!